Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this Shabbat that you've given us, this opportunity to gather together as mishpachas, family to worship in your presence, in unity in the Ruach HaKodesh and your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you speak boldly into our hearts and our lives today, that as we open your word, that your voice will come forth and that you will awaken our hearts to the direction you have in store for us. Father, I pray that you speak through me today, that nothing of me be involved except that which you have ordained for this purpose. And Lord, that you open our hearts and awaken our spirits to receive from you. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen and Amen. This week we're in Parsha Vayichra. Vayichra is the first Parsha of the uh, Sofer Vayichra, the book of Vayichra, uh, the, uh, the, the book of Leviticus, as it's called in English. Uh, and Leviticus 1 begins with, Now Adonai called to Moses and spoke to him out of the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to B'nai Israel and tell them, When anyone who, of you who brings an offering to Adonai, you may present your offering of livestock from the herd of, uh, or from the flock. Um, I'm actually going to dive into a, uh, something very specific in a moment, but I want to set some uh, foundation up here real quick before we move forward. There's five types of uh, korbanot, five types of sacrifice or offerings mentioned in this week's Parsha. All right, and each one has their purpose, their, their, their specification. The first is the olah, or the ascending offering, uh, that is wholly raised to God by the fire atop the altar. The entire offering is burnt up. None of it is consumed by those giving the offering or those presenting the offering, the priesthood. Uh, there, uh, the, the next is the mincha, or the mill offering. There's actually five types or five varieties of the mincha offering, the mill offering, uh, which is prepared with fine flour, olive oil, and frankincense, and a portion of the mihar, the meal offering, uh, stays with the priesthood uh, for them to eat and to provide uh, sustenance for them. The peace offering of the shalamim, uh, whose meat was eaten by the one bringing the offering after parts are burned on the altar and parts are given to the kohanim. So the, uh, the shalamim, or the peace offering, uh, when we bring that offering to the tabernacle or later the temple, uh, part of it would be burned on the altar, part of it would be given to the priesthood for their provision, and the other part is consumed by the one bringing the offering. Uh, there, the next is the chatat, or the sin offering, and there's a couple of different types of sin offering, uh, which are brought to atone for transgression committed erroneously by the high priest, the entire community, the king, or the ordinary person. Uh, and then the asham, or the guilt offering, is brought by one who has misappropriated property of the sanctuary, who is in doubt as to whether they, he transgressed the divine prohibition, or has committed a betrayal against God by serving falsely uh, to defraud a fellow man. Uh, so the, the, the final, the asham offering, uh, you, you have the, the sin offering. If you know you have sinned and particularly unintentionally sinned, notice in Leviticus, the, in Vayichra, the first parsha, there's no offering uh, prescribed for an intentional sin. If you do something on purpose, there's no offering prescribed for that. That falls in the category of what's dealt with on Yom Kippur. Uh, but there's the offering specifically for unintentional sin, and then there's the asham uh, offering, which is in case you think you might 
might have possibly sinned and don't really know for sure, you bring that offering. Uh, so God makes sure all the bases are covered. Uh, so if you sin on accident or you think you might have sinned on accident but aren't really sure because you really don't know, uh, your hide is covered. Uh, but uh, in particular, it's interesting as we look at the Parsha because the, the, the passage here in verse 2, it says, when any one of you brings an offering, in some translation it says, when uh, any man from Israel brings an offering, something along those lines, it's interesting here that uh, what's translated in the TLV as anyone or another translation as man is not the word ish, which is the most commonly used word for man. Uh, instead, it's the word adam, uh, which is also, it's synonymous for ish, but adam in particular is reference or connected back, alluding back to Adam. And most of the time, the offerings, the, the sacrifices that we bring are in response to our sin. They're a, a, a method of atonement, a method of forgiveness, a method of asking God uh, uh, in repentance to, to forgive us. And it's interesting that the word here chosen by Adonai is his Ruach, Kodesh, his Holy Spirit inspired these words uh, in their original Hebrew is the word Adam and the recognition to the link to Adam, to Adam who through whom sin originally entered the world in the first place. And then we look at uh, the Bruch Shah, the New Covenant writings, and it says sin entered by the action of one man and thus redemption by the action of one man uh, and so on. And we see this really neat connection here. Uh, but it's always interesting when we go back to the actual original language and we see that there's more to it than just uh, uh, the translation. But we recognize that the, the actual word there is important in what God chose to use. Uh, and then also in verse uh, 2, it doesn't say uh, uh, a man... Um, uh, this is from the, the Hasidic masters uh, uh, from, from the sages of Judaism. It says, the verse does not say a man of you who shall bring near an offering, but instead a man uh, who shall bring near of you an offering. Uh, the offering must come from within the person. It is the animal within the man that must be brought near and elevated by the divine fire upon the altar. And I bring that particular quote up specifically because when we look at the Haftar Parsha, the Lord says, listen, I didn't ask for, I didn't direct you to bring sacrifices and burnt offerings and ascension offerings and so on. And it's not that he didn't because he did, but what he's saying is, I don't want you to do it for the wrong reasons. I don't want you to do it just because you have to do it. I don't want you to do it because it's an external thing. I want you to do it because it comes from the inside, because you recognize that you have fallen short of the glory and you're bringing this offering to be restored. But the sacrifice, this offering needs to come from the heart, not just something that's blindly, obediently followed, not something that is rote practice, but something that is legitimately an internal transformational work of the Lord. And it's from this direction that I actually want to move forward in the Parsha to chapter chapter 5, beginning with verse 20. Uh, Leviticus chapter 5, beginning with verse 20. And this is where we're going to spend most of the time focused on today. And as a quick caveat, uh, I just want to say this. This message is one that will stub toes. All right? You're going to walk out of here with a limp today, and that's okay. If you don't like the potential of walking out of here with a spiritual limp, now's your time to get up and vacate the premises and watch it on your own at home where people won't hear you cussing under your breath and throwing a fit because God's convicting you of something and, and fixing your heart. But this is one of those messages that is going to stub your toe and you're not going to be happy when you leave here. Actually, I hope you are happy when you leave here because hopefully some of the, the, the strain and stress of 
of fallen humanity will be dealt with and, and uh, the mindset of deliverance and forgiveness and restoration will come forth. Uh, but nonetheless, I like to caveat in advance that, uh, that we are going to be bloody today. So uh, Leviticus chapter 5, verse 20. And by the way, when I designed the graphic for this week, it wasn't uh, with that in mind. Uh, messy really on the graphic has more to do with the fact that the sacrifices were very messy. If you read, I mean, there's blood splattered everywhere. There's all this you know, mess going on. And it's interesting that uh, the sages say that uh, that by divine action, uh, divine protection, the, the meat of the offerings never spoiled, that there was never a foul smell in the tabernacle or later the temple in all the years that these sacrifices went on. And not only that, but they say that the, the, the flies never gathered in the tabernacle. And when you've got, uh, you know, you, you drive down the road and you see a dead raccoon or a possum or something, there's always gnats and flies and all that, but nothing ever went near the tabernacle or the temple when it stood uh, as these sacrifices were being made, and, and we know it was a gruesome process, and it was messy, uh, but uh, it's, it's interesting as the Lord developed the message this week for, my, uh, for this morning on my heart that, uh, oddly enough, the graphic also speaks directly into this, because uh, this can be a rather messy topic as well. So uh, Leviticus chapter 5, beginning with verse 20, says, Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Suppose anyone sins and commits a faithless act against Adonai by dealing falsely with his neighbor in a matter of a de deposit or a pledge of hands or through robbery or has extorted from his neighbor or has found what was lost and lied about it, swearing falsely, so sinning in one of any of these things that a man may do. Then it will be when he has sinned and has become guilty, then he must restore what he took by robbery or what he uh, got by extortion or the deposit that was committed to him or what was lost that, was, that he found or anything about which he has sworn falsely is to restore it in full and add a fifth part more to it. He must give it to the one to whom it belongs on the day of presenting his trespass offering. He is to bring his trespass offering to Adonai, a ram without blemish from the flock, according to your value, for a trespass offering to the Kohen. The Kohen shall make atonement for him before Adonai, and he will be forgiven concerning whatever he may have done to become guilty. Now, the trespass offering is the asham, the, the, the uh, guilt offering, when we're not really sure, but we might have, but we don't know, you know, kind of a thing. Um, but... It's really interesting here, and this is connected to the few verses right before it, uh, starting with uh, uh, verse 32 of chapter 4, uh, all of the various sin offerings and the restitution. But it's interesting here that the Lord doesn't say, when you realize you've sinned, bring an offering, and then go back and, and restore, bring restitution uh, to the person that you've wronged. But instead, he says, make restitution to the person you've wronged, restore relationship, then bring the offering. And then you'll be forgiven. And it's really interesting as we look at this, uh, uh, a buddy of mine who's uh, a rabbi, a Messianic rabbi in Seattle, uh, is doing, I uh, started a new series this morning. I have no clue what he's going to say. I haven't seen his notes, listened to the messages just starting today. But he's doing a, a sermon series starting today at their synagogue in Seattle called Jesus Never Said Anything New. Um, and, uh, and I started to think about that, that line as I was processing through uh, for this message this morning. And, and the reality is that's absolutely true. Yeshua never said anything new. You know why? Because there's nothing new in the Brechah Deshai. It's all stuff that is revitalized or, or, or um, uh, brought to a fuller light 
in the Debrecha uh, Shah, but it's all from the, the Tanakh, and particularly the Torah in the first place. So we go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, and Yeshua is reiterating this very concept we just read from Leviticus chapter 5. And so Matthew 5, verse 23 says, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering upon the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. See, I mentioned the Haftorah Parsha this week saying, I never asked for you to do these things, right? We know he did, but what he's asking is that we do them with the right heart and with the right intention. And as we see from Leviticus 5 and here in Matthew 5, we can't in fact bring a sacrifice and an offering to the Lord with the right heart if our heart isn't right, right? And our heart's not going to be right if we've wronged others or if others have wronged us and we hold grudge or they hold grudge and we know that there's a a damage in that relationship. We know that there's a diminishment in that relationship. And uh, and the reality is, is Yeshua is calling us to to secure those, to fix those, to restore those relationships, to bring bring that restitution. He's not saying anything new. He's reiterating a concept from the Torah, in particular from Leviticus chapter 5. We go forward to Matthew 6. And by the way, Matthew 5 is part of the Sermon on the Mount, as it's often called, which begins with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit, and so on and so forth. And it's right in the middle of the whole section about, you've heard it said it's sin to commit murder, but I say you've even hated somebody in your heart. You've heard it said it's sin to commit adultery, but have you been lusted in your heart? And then in the middle of that, we see this, this passage about the Lord saying, hey, make restitution, restore relationship. Before you come to me, before you bring an offering to me, make restoration with your fellow man. We go to chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. It says, Therefore, pray in this way, and this is what's often called the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, sanctified be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's it. That's all God said, right? That's how we often hear this. That's it. There's nothing else to it. Why? Because if we stop short of what's coming next, we don't have to deal with what's coming next, right? But it's really important that we recognize that that wasn't it. That there was more in the context of what Yeshua was saying here. So he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And we skip down to verse uh, 14 and he says, for if you forgive others their transgression, our heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your father forgive your transgressions. Let that sink in for a moment. How many of us and, and we all can raise our hands, but how many of us hold grudges against somebody or know for a fact that somebody holds a grudge against us? How many of us have hurt feelings for something that somebody's done in the past to us? How many of us have uh, 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 spiritual wounds and pain and anguish and turmoil day in and day out that actually in, prohibits our ability to enter the presence of God in the way that we know God wants us to because of how someone else has treated us? or because we have treated somebody else wrongly. And here the Lord says, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, as we have also forgiven those that have trespassed us. And he goes on to say, for if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. How dare we approach the throne of the Lord with our offering of repentance and, 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 and that sacrifice of, of, uh, uh, of our heart for, for forgiveness, asking the Lord to forgive us and, and restore us and, and all of this, while at the same time, we're not willing to show the same grace to someone else. Often and unfortunately, 
These tend to be some of the closest people in our lives, or at least should be, whether it's relatives or friends, people that we've grown up with, people in our own community of faith, our own congregations, that we hold hard, uh, hard feelings, we hold grudges against. And in fact, these things actually hinder our walk and our relationship with the Lord. And Matthew 18, verse 15 says, Now if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault while you're with him alone. If he listens to you, you have one, your brother. But if he does not listen, take with you one or two more so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may stand. But if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to Messiah's community. And if he refuses to listen, even to Messiah's community, let him be to you as a pagan and a tax collector. And so we recognize that although, yes, there is this necessity for us to forgive those that have wronged us, there's also this boundary that is available that we don't have to continue to put ourselves in the position of being wronged. You know, if you're in a, uh, an abusive relationship and your spouse is beating the crap out of you day in and day out, uh, forgiving them is, is perfectly fine, but I don't think God expects us to continue to get our faces bashed in on a regular basis. Sometimes forgiveness and walking away from the relationship is necessary, but we have to forgive we have to, to forgive, we have to offer, we have to give that, that forgiveness there because the reality is, is if we don't, we give the enemy ground in our life because the enemy uses those opportunities and those things and those situations that we hold uh, 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 hard feelings or grudges or whatever against other people, he uses that to diminish our walk with the Lord. He uses that to go, see, you're not really liked. You're not really loved. You think you're a part of this, this community. You think you're a part of the, but nobody really wants you around. Nobody really likes you. Look, your own family doesn't like you. Your own friends don't like you. The people you work with don't like you. Why would these people like you? Or the enemy uses to go, what could God want from you? And look at how much you hate this person. How could God want you and want a relationship with you with the way that you treat these people? How could God ever want that? But the reality is, is the Lord standing there saying, I gave my only begotten son that you could be restored to me. And in the same way, that restoration needs to be made with those around you. We continue in this train of thought to Matthew 18, verse 21. And this is right after this passage. And it's interesting who brings this up. Verse 21 says, Then Peter came to him and said, Master, how often should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Yeshua said to him, No, not up to seven times, I tell you, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle up, a man was brought to him who, owned him, who owed him 10,000 talents. But since he didn't have the money to repay, his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. Then the slave fell on his knees and begged him, saying, Be patient with me, and I will repay you everything. And the master of the slave, filled with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Verse 28, now that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him and started choking him, saying, pay back what you owe me. So his fellow slave fell down and kept begging him, saying, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Yet he was unwilling. Instead, he went off and threw the man into prison until he paid back all he owed. Verse 31, so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply distressed. They went to their master and reported in detail, in detail all that had happened. Then summoning the first slave, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave all the debt because you pleaded with me. 
Wasn't it necessary for you also to show mercy to your fellow slave, just as I showed mercy to you? And enraged, the master handed him over to the torturers until he paid back all he owed. See also my heavenly Father will do to you unless each of you from your heart forgives his brother. See, far too often we give these spiritual ties to those around us whether it's people we've wronged or people that have wronged us, and we allow the, the, the enemy to have grounds in our life to hold us down and to keep us from progressing forward in our walk with the Lord. And the reality is, is we have already received salvation and deliverance has been given, but we don't walk in that deliverance more often than not because we still allow the enemy to have that ground. He doesn't have any ground in our life that we don't give him. He can't. He can't just walk into our life and take whatever he wants. We have to allow him to have it. We have to give it over to him. We leave those doors and windows open. And you got to understand that we come in here every single Saturday to worship. And worship is our expression of sacrifice. Worship is our offering to the Lord. But how often do we walk in here with a chip on our shoulder because so-and-so wronged us? Or this person didn't do this. Or we come in and people we worked with all week long just jacked this up and jacked that up and they made my life worse. Or we come in and our parents gave us a hard time or our friends gave us a hard time. Or we walk in and, oh, I can't believe that person's here. Can't they remember what just happened to us last week and now i got to see their ugly mug here? And the Lord's saying, listen, you think I want to see your ugly mug with your heart like that? But I've already forgiven you and restored you, and that forgiveness must be given from you to others. See, Yeshua was asked what the most important commandment was, and his response was, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. He said, and like this is another, love your neighbor as yourself. With the same love that we give to the Lord and receive from the Lord, we should also give and receive from our neighbor from the people around us, the people we interact with, the people that we cherish most and most certainly and most difficultly, the people we cherish the least. We must be as gracious and as forgiving to those that have wronged us as we expect the Lord to be to us who have wronged Him. Far too often we walk up to the Lord with hearts wide open and worship with hearts wide open and sacrifice. But that sacrifice is being held back in its fullness because we have not restored relationship with those around us. And you got to understand, uh, unfortunately, as a rabbi, as a, a shepherd, as one who exhorts the word to the community, uh, more often than not, the Lord's working on my heart about something as much as he is, if not more than anyone else as he's speaking through me. And I'm no different than any of you. I got people that have wronged me and there's people that I've wronged over the years and, 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 and there are people that I have had grudges against and, and likely still hold grudges against and likely need to be on my face going, God, show me who it is so I can fix it. Show me who it is so I can fix it. I'm no different than you. We all find ourselves in these situations. But we're robbing ourselves of the blessing of a fullness of restoration and relationship with the Lord and we're robbing the Lord of the fullness of blessing of restoration relationship he desires for us because we allow others to hold us down to destroy us to demolish us to damage us because we refuse to let them go and to forgive them and to walk in restoration colossians 3 verse 12 says therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved 
Clothe yourselves in tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord pardoned you, so also you must pardon others. So above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfect harmony. Let the shalom, the peace of Messiah, rule in your hearts. To this shalom you will surely call, you were surely called in one body, also be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We need to understand that this is not such a repetitive theme in the scripture because it is meaningless to the Lord. The Lord wants us to forgive others as much as he has forgiven us. He wants us to restore relationship as much as we desire relationship restored with him. He expects us to be gracious to others as he has been gracious to us. And he commands us to leave our sacrifice at the door if our hearts are not right. Leave our sacrifice at the door and go restore relationship. Then come back and make the offering. See, what's really interesting is in Leviticus 5, the Lord prefaces uh, this whole passage, this whole section, by saying, by saying, if you have wronged somebody, go and make restitution and restoration and put a fifth more with it, and then bring the offering. But when we go to the Brechadashah and the, the New Covenant, the New Testament, and Yeshua actually brings a new perspective. It's not a new perspective because it was, it was all, what he always meant in the first place. But he clarifies the reality of Leviticus 5. And he says it's not just when you know you've wronged somebody, because it's really easy for us to go ask somebody to forgive us. But he says it's not just when you've wronged somebody, but when somebody's wronged you. If you know that somebody has something in their heart against you, go and fix it. Go and restore it. Walk to them, run to them, rush to them, and restore that relationship. Father, forgive us our sins as we uh, have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And then he goes on to say, we always like to skip over this because it makes us feel better about ourselves. But he goes on to say, for in the same way that you forgive others, the Lord will forgive you, and if you don't, he won't. How many of us have ever taken the time to process that to chew on those words and to recognize that the Lord is calling us not just to restoration with him, but with all of those around us. How many divisions are there in the body of Messiah? How many divides are there that we've allowed to exist over hurt feelings, over things that ultimately are meaningless? And we've broken down the, the strength of unity in the body of Messiah by allowing division and disunity among us and discord. How much stronger would the body of Messiah be if we set all of that aside? We came to each other and we said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've spoken wrongly about you. I'm sorry that I've gossiped about you. Probably the hardest part about asking for forgiveness is when we have to admit something the other person may not even know. Lashan hara, evil speak, evil tongue, the, the act of gossip and slander. Often the person we're slandering doesn't even know we are. But we've still wronged them. We've still spoken curses over them. 
and we still need to go and restore that relationship. You want a good gut check? Go ask for forgiveness from somebody that doesn't even know that they owe it to you. Somebody that is suddenly going to realize just how two-faced a human can really be because they thought that you were really close to them. Because they thought that you really loved them. But you want to see the glory of the Lord move in a powerful and mighty way? Watch that restoration and healing. And watch the work of God in bringing unity back together again. And watch how powerful it affects our lives and affects those around us. We're getting ready for Shavuot. I mean, we're getting ready for Passover. And I don't mean to do like the whole, you know, grocery store and, and uh, um, uh, big box store thing of just skipping over a holiday so we can get to the next one that's coming up and sell it. But Passover is coming up, but in particular Shavuot is right around the corner. And, and this is exactly what we're trying to do as a community. They say, hey, body Messiah, let's get together and let's worship on, on Shavuot, on Pentecost. Let's set aside all of the things that has separated us for all these years. Let's come together in what we know can actually bring unity. Let's forgive each other. Let's walk in the restoration we expect from the Lord with each other. Let us not only love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our strength, but let us love one another as ourselves. Let us not only ask God for forgiveness, but let us show that forgiveness to others. Let us not only rejoice in God's grace and mercy, but let us show that grace and mercy to others. I guarantee that each and every one of us in this room today each and every one of us hearing these words right now can immediately think of people in our lives that we know without a doubt we need restoration with. That we know without a doubt the enemy is using that broken relationship to hold us back from the fullness of what the Lord has in store for us. And we know without a doubt that the Lord is standing there tapping us on the shoulder. Hey, I just want you to come back. I want to give you everything I have in store, but, but you need to fix this. You need to, need to fix this. It may not be what you want it to be when it's all said and done, but at least there will be forgiveness. But if you want my forgiveness in the way that it is freely given to you, you need to share that with those around you. This is a Torah concept that is reiterated in the words of Yeshua, not once, not twice, not three times, but over and over again, and then again by Paul and throughout the Scriptures. The Lord says, I didn't want you to come and bring sacrifices and offerings and, 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 and all of this stuff going on in the tabernacle and temple just to do it. It's not busy work, people. God doesn't give us assignments to transcribe the dictionary so that we can remember our mistakes like we had in grade school. God doesn't want us just to do this because it's something to do. He doesn't want us to show up on Saturday mornings because it's something to do. He doesn't want us to join in and worship and lift our hands and praise because everyone else is doing it. And he most certainly doesn't want us to do it for the wrong reasons and with the wrong heart. And how can we truly expect to be restored in fullness to the Lord if we're allowing the enemy to hold us back because we are not restored in fullness with our fellow man? And he calls us over and over and over again to leave our offering at the door. Go back and fix that relationship and then come back and bring the offering to the Lord. It's time that we stop skipping over the Lord saying, as you forgive and I'll forgive you. And we recognize that it is necessary for us to forgive others just as it's necessary for us to love others. 
just as it's necessary for us to receive the Lord's forgiveness and love the Lord. We must love and forgive others and bring restoration and restitution when we need forgiveness as well by those around us. Because as much as we have been wronged, we wrong. Hurt people hurt people. And the longer we continue to be hurt, the more people we are hurting. The longer we continue to allow the enemy to destroy our walk, to hinder our walk, to hold our walk back, the longer we are doing the same to other people. Today is the day. We talked earlier about how we serve a God of deliverance, a God of restoration, a God of healing. And he wants to give that to us, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual, the emotional, the mental as well. He wants to, to restore us in entirety and in fullness all the way to the core of who we are. But that restoration is a process that doesn't just end and begin with what the Lord is doing in our lives, but how we then reciprocate that into others' lives. And today is the day that we lay all of that down. We restore relationship and we bring a right offering of worship to the Lord. A right offering of sacrifice, because it's a sacrifice to have to swallow our pride and go ask for forgiveness or go and forgive without being asked. It's a sacrifice to do that. But as much as the Lord has done for us, how measly of a sacrifice that is for us to do. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him may have everlasting life. Those of us that believe in him, those of us that are bought by that blood of the lamb, we need to restore relationship starting today. And we will see the power and might of God move in mighty and glorious ways like we could have never imagined because the flow of the spirit of God in our lives will be uninhibited by the grip of the enemy and the reins of the enemy trying to hold us back by shame, guilt, and fear. Today's the day to change that. Today's the day to forgive. Today's the day to bring a true and perfect offering. Today is the day to be restored to the Lord in fullness. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I thank you that you go so far in your work of restoration of your creation that you not only tell us how to have our known sins forgiven, but how to have our unknown sins forgiven. Father, that you go so far as to say that you want to restore us in spite of who we have been in our lives and how much we have wronged you, how much we have not lived in the image and likeness that we're created in. And Lord, that you want to restore that image to its fullness, which includes forgiving those around us and asking for forgiveness from those around us. Father, I pray that you begin to draw forth the names of those in our lives that we need a fullness of restoration with, that we need a fullness of forgiveness with, those that we need to relay the grace and mercy you have shown us those that we need to relay that grace and mercy to. Father, I pray right now you begin to break the strongholds 
of the enemy in our lives that keeps us from walking in the fullness of restoration with you. Father, begin to break down the strongholds and the barriers that he uses to hold us back. Father, begin to reveal to us those areas in our lives that we've still allowed him to have grip and reign in. That we recognize we cannot serve two masters. Father, bring healing even before we walk up to the person that we have wronged or that has wronged us. Father, begin to work healing in those relationships, even here and now as we speak. Begin to work healing, Lord. Begin to open our hearts and theirs to receive the love that you have so graciously given to us as we share it with those around us. And Father, draw us into a mode of worship that is not road practice, but a mode of worship that is in full restoration with our Father in heaven walking in the fullness of your Ruach HaKodesh in our lives, walking in the fullness of the realization of the sanctification and the forgiveness that you have given us and that we have given others. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen.